0: Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Villato. Today, we're here to give our quick takeaways, reaction to the Giants' 17-13 loss, to Chicago Bears, a game in which, obviously, the main story is the one that we're going to start off with, and it's Saquon Barkley, likely tore his ACL, really unfortunate play. Before we dive into the action in a game where, listen, the Giants fought to come back in this game despite losing Barkley despite losing Sterling Shepard to what looks like it might be a nagging toe injury that's not a good one either um and they shut out the Bears in the second half and they almost won this game ran out of time at the end but before we dive into the action from the game and what stood out there Nick what do you what do you make of this of of what happened with Saquon you know
2: I mean it was a terrible week two yeah. on the whole really if you think about it there were so many injuries across the NFL but when it, as it pertains to the Giants you have two of your main weapons on offense go down with injuries one looks like it's going to be season ending with Saquon Barkley and it's really tragic it's devastating because this kid has one healthy year his rookie season where he's absolutely amazing and then last year he was nagged by injury the entire season now it looks like he could miss this whole year kid has such a great head on his shoulder Saquon Barkley that is and it's just he's not going to probably be available this entire year it's, it's devastating so log. it's
1: so unfortunate in week two i mean like you're not you're one and a half quarters into a season a 16 game season i'm sorry one it's your five and a half quarters i should say into a 16 game season and you're losing a player like this that you know like you said in his rookie year when he won rookie of the year he honestly just from that year was on what I could only describe as a Hall of Fame projection. If you look at the actual stats from that season and the numbers that he put up behind what was arguably one of the five worst offensive lines in the league with an aging quarterback who could not really move the ball that well through the air at that point. But with in spite of all of that, he put up what numbers that are just out of this world. And he did it with his ability to break away in the open field. He did it with his ability to, you know, sometimes go up the middle and power his way in, especially in the red zone where he's really good in that regard, and he did with his ability to force missed tackles mostly in the open field. That's really where Saquon stands out. It's the breakaway ability and it's the force missed tackles. It's what he's all about, and I hope he'll be back to what he was. Now it's a torn ACL, and it was obviously the high ankle sprain a year before. That's unfortunate, but at this point now, three years into his career, it, it, it's it's not good, and, and and obviously at Penn State, this is not this wasn't an issue for him, but you know, now in the NFL that the injuries obviously are there and it's just, it's, it's so unfortunate.
2: It's likely a torn ACL has not been confirmed yet. He's going to have MRIs and everything tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday night. And it sucks, man, because Tiki Barber came out giant, great Tiki Barber. You know, a lot of the fan base is mixed on Tiki given how he, uh, I guess you could say abandoned the New York giants, but he came out and he criticized Saquon Barkley for something that we all know is something that is problematic with Barkley's game. And that is his pass protection. And what did Barkley do? He, Handled it just like a man, bro. He said, yeah, I know. I need to get better with that. And he gave a lot of respect to Tiki Barber. He says all the right things. He's the person that you want to be the face of your franchise. Yep. And now, this is his third year with this team, and two of them are spent basically injured last year playing through injury, though, although we only missed the three games. There's really nothing else to say, but this just really sucks. For the Giants, it really sucks for Saquon, and we all hope for a speedy recovery. And now it's three years in, and I feel like he's still... If
1: this is the end, if this is a torn ACL, I feel like we still haven't seen him maximize in the passing game. It's amazing to draft a prospect like this and go three years. And I know the injuries have played a role in this. He hasn't been on the field for a lot of games, but... It's just crazy to me that you can draft a prospect like this, that you can invest the number two of a pick, and, you know, we're not seeing him utilized in the passing game. He should be a weapon there. It should be it shouldn't be like every game, every week, the Giants fans are asking for more arrow outs or they're wondering why he's not one of the best screen pass running backs in the game. And it just seems like even in this game, before the injury, he wasn't really used in that regard. It wasn't in week one. Last season, the season before. I mean, obviously there's time and stuff like that, but you know, at the same time, it just, they're now going to be three years into this experiment, and he's not changing, he hasn't really changed the outcome of any games for the Giants at this point, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, like, you could look back to the Redskins game from two years ago when he, like, almost single-handedly won, but really, both two seasons, he's played a big role in those Redskins wins, a couple of those towards the end of the year. You can pinpoint maybe two, three games the Bears win a couple years ago,
2: but, I just feel like they still haven't fully maximized his upside as a, as a prospect. And it's nuts, too, because the Giants, like like you said on Twitter, got a little cute. and Didn't dress Wayne Gallman in this game. Deion Lewis was the only back. And now you look at the Giants' running back position going forward. So what exactly are they going to do? Are they going to go look to maybe sign someone like a Devonta Freeman, who's still out there on the free agent wire? Or do they entrust this with Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis on like this weird two-headed backfield? All, they'll obviously bring somebody else in. Maybe they can uh, sign Jonathan Hilleman again. You know, That's something that I know a lot of Giant fans do not want to hear. I don't think they'll go in that direction. And if they do, it'll just be for practice squad purposes. But they're going to have to look at their options on the free agent wire. Yeah, that's what you think about now. You think, where do
1: we spin this? Where do they go moving forward? That's the question right now. Because if Barkley is, in fact out for the season with a torn ACL, and all indications are that he will be what do you do because you have a guy who they decided deemed to be a healthy scratch day in Wayne Gallman who we I like I've still not given up on Wayne Gallman and maybe they don't like him there were some reports of him potentially being cut out of camp one of those final guys on the roster or maybe they just got cute like you said and they figured they can get an edge on special teams they they play Barkley 100 you know almost I mean the first week Barkley played the second highest percentage of snaps of any running back in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey he was literally number two McCaffrey was 97 percent Barkley was 86 percent according to um true media which is a, which is a, a, a company that you know we're working with the CBS so I looked at that and I was like it made sense to me at first why they would make Goldman a healthy scratch but moving forward that either changes or like you said they look to the market but with Freeman he already turned down multiple de- or at least one deal that he was offered earlier this offseason because of money the Giants are really low in cap space at this point after signing Logan Ryan and you have to ask yourself, is it worth it to invest cap space if you have to push some to next season where the cap might be lowered just to get in a a guy like Devontae Freeman in a season where they're already 0-2? I'm not sure, especially when you see just like the success that teams like the Jaguars have with a guy like James Robinson, a guy who's in UDFA. I mean, it's a position where you don't really need to invest too much assets in, too much resources in to find talent. Teams have proven this year after year after year. I mean, Chris Carson, there's countless examples so to me i think at this point i'd probably prefer they move forward with Gallman, uh lewis and you know maybe they saw something out of leak and they bring him back you don't know there's guys that they can bring back maybe they like someone in the draft but he's on someone's practice squad right now and they've been eyeing him the entire time and now they have a chance to kind of see if he can make his way onto the team you just don't know but i'm not sold they're gonna definitely go after a guy like freeman
2: Nah, yeah i actually do agree with that I, i think anything is plausible at this point someone like Javon Leak or maybe Tavian Feaster who was with the Giants for a cup of coffee or maybe they even go out with somebody like Karan Higdon who was cut by the Texans so they're gonna have options with some of those young guys but it's just a uh, it sucks man it really does yeah no doubt let's before we dive into game action let's talk about
1: the other injury and that's Sterling Shepard who looked like it I hope the injury is not as bad as kind of how it looked he was you know, breathing in pain, looked like maybe a turf toe injury, which is really hard to come back from. That can nag all year. Let's hope it's not that. Let's hope it's nothing in the plantar fasciitis type range, because those are terrible. Um, he didn't come back into the game, or he tried to come back into the game, and then looked like he kind of reaggravated it, or something went wrong again, and then that was it for him. Um, Shepard's a guy who, before this season, you know, I made it clear on the podcast, I thought he was their best route runner. I thought he was an integral piece to the offense for someone like Daniel Jones, a guy who operates in the quick game, operates on quick rhythm timing, ball placement, things like that. You need a guy who gets open quick in that type of for that type of quarterback. Um, and so if he's down, it's a ready receiver court that has Golden Tate now, hopefully healthy for good, let's hope, because at this point they need it. Slayton, and then behind Shepard, Golden Tate, and Slayton, you're really, you know, CJ Board making a couple plays today. He's an okay player. I don't know if I want to rely on him. Ratley, I don't know if I want to rely on him. So, you know, at that point, maybe they go to more 12, maybe they go to 13. I don't know. But this is going to be a tough offense. Without Barkley, this, with, if you're going to go 12-13 without Barkley, it just seems like it's going to be a tough, tough spot for
2: the offense and for Daniel Jones, really, to, to have success in that kind of offense. Yeah, and it already seems like the Giants have made it a priority or at least something they really want to try to do to go to 12 personnel because... And I think that really speaks to Caden Smith's skill set. So they really like to have Evan Ingram and Caden Smith both out there. There were times where in that game they were running the football and you didn't see Evan Ingram out there it was Caden Smith and that's also a testament to Caden Smith's ability to block so I, I think they do want uh both of those players out there Evan Ingram and Caden Smith but these these receiver injuries is just going to lead to more and more of that and I'm not sure if the Derek Dillons or the Austin Max or the Benjamin Victors of the world did enough in camp to earn the ability to kind of jump up and maybe earn an active spot on this roster, at least this early on. And maybe this team is only going to carry these I mean, who who do they carry right now as the fifth receiver if Sterling Shepherd's out. You're gonna have Board, you're gonna have Ratley, you're obviously gonna have Slayton, you're gonna have Tate, and who's gonna be that fifth guy? Yeah, I mean it's tough. It's a good question. I think what you said before though really
1: at least strikes me as making the most sense. It's making Caden Smith an integral part of this offense. Now, you don't want to be the only team in the NFL running 12 more than everyone else, but when you have Evan Ingram on in the field, it's kind of like a flex hybrid 12 to me. Um, there was even a snap today where I thought Ingram made a really nice play, kind of lined up split wide as kind of like the lone boundary. He was a little in, lined up a little inside, he wasn't where traditional boundary is, but he was off the line of scrimmage. I think you'll see more of that. I hope you'll see more of that. And I really think that Caden Smith's snap count should should almost double. I'm a big fan of Smith. I think he's an excellent cog for Jones. He's a different kind of player than Shepard. He doesn't get open the same way, but he hangs on to a lot of passes and he's a big target for him, which Jones needs. So we'll have to see how it goes. I, You, know, you don't want to totally limit yourself and you want to be able to still run a lot of 11 because 11 is going to be the only way they're going to be able to really find success running the ball, I think, on a consistent basis. So you don't want to become this team that's stuck in 12 too often, but They have to think of creative ways now if they're going to be down Shepard and Barker. We don't know anything the extent of the Shepard injury. For all we know, he could play this week. It feels like it's one of those three-week IR-type deals, but we just don't know.
2: Yeah, we don't know. But uh, during this game, you did see personnel packages that was technically 12 personnel, but they just had Evan Ingram as a big slot, essentially, with Caden Smith in line. So that's one unique thing you can do with Evan Ingram because he is so athletic. You can line him up, and yes, he's technically a tight end, and yes, technically that is 12 personnel, but since he's such a unique player... It can act as 11 personnel, and that's definitely an option as well. It's something that we saw them do this game. Yeah, that's definitely an option. The only thing is it limits them in the sense that they have to play, and he can do it,
1: but they have to play Golden Tate outside as a boundary when, you know, he's done it before, he's had some success, but he's traditionally and had his best success. It's just like Evan Ingram, though. Both of them had their best success lined up in the slot, and when you go out of 11, you kind of have this 12 hybrid look with Ingram in the slot. It's just not, it's not as good for Jones, I don't think, as having tate in the slot ingram in line um or even just like smith in line ingram off the field
2: definitely agree with that especially when it comes to tate he seems like that safety blanket i mean he had five targets in this game he caught all five of them he has daniel jones's trust over the middle of the field he's incredibly tough over the middle of the field i love having golden tate in that short to intermediate game because it definitely helps daniel jones gives him that safety blanket Lisa knows the local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities whether they're our corner stores our coffee spots or our favorite shops local businesses have always been there for us they remember our orders they call us by name always giving back making a difference and going that extra mile to support us and our community and right now more than ever local businesses need our support so now it's time for us to return the favor the next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contact list symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsor jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. That's a lot of businesses, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. And that means anywhere. You can go to Mars. Yeah, that's anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th.
1: Yep, no doubt. So they'll have to adjust. It's going to be interesting to see, at least at the very least, it's going to be interesting to see how this offense adjusts moving forward, and who becomes kind of maybe a sleeper, a guy that we now see as a somebody to build on moving forward, because there's so much there's so much opportunity now in this Giants offense that wasn't there quite frankly entering this Sunday. There was there's touches to go around the backfield. Gallman might prove himself. Maybe they find someone there's targets to go around shepard was a guy who we thought would get a lot of targets he gets open quick so there's a lot of opportunity now to go around and guys could step up and guys could surprise us
2: oh 100 and maybe that is cj board who they relied yep. on a little bit on that last drive and throughout the fourth quarter of that game and it's somebody who came into camp and definitely caught the eye of joe judge and that coaching staff so maybe you know next game plan throughout this next week they game plan more for someone like cj board if sterling shepherd does miss time which we hope he does not
1: yeah and it's interesting i don't you know I don't think it'll happen, but every time I saw him on the field in the boom right scrimmages and in the training camp practice, Corey Coleman made plays as a wide receiver maybe I don't know what it was that led to him being cut. I don't know if the door is shut on that you know no. he's been in the organization for a while, but give him a chance with real receiver reps, and I'm just not so sure he won't be able to produce in a big way, but you know that door might be shut who knows
2: i don't i I wouldn't think it should yeah. You know. I think a big reason why Corey Coleman didn't make this team was because these receivers were healthy, Mm -hmm. the specials, and I think it was just like, look, we'd rather have someone with the deep speed of yeah. Damian Ratley on the roster. But now that Shepard's not there, that opens up another spot. They might bring Corey Coleman back. Yeah, and he,
1: in in a way, like that's kind of where he's winning. In a similar way, if he doesn't still have that trademark speed, and he was never really the big time vert guy anyway.
2: Yeah, no, he ran like a what a four three eight. Yeah, though? from a pure yeah. speed standpoint. So did yeah. you
1: know Sh- Shepard? I think ran a four four two or something like that. And mm-hmm. he's not that guy no, either. Not, not at all. You know, um, even Ingram in that sense ran a four four two flat, and he's you know you don't see it often there either. So. So some of those guys with the time speed aren't actually unbelievable vertical route runners. There's obviously a nuance to it. But anyway, we'll see where the Giants go with that. But let's get into this game because it was an interesting game in the sense that you would think the Giants would be playing better so it ends up being a 17-13 game where the giants are competitive right and they drive down at the end and really they just run out of time it felt like jones was getting in a groove there and if he had a minute 30 on the clock i think he would have converted that into a touchdown but he ran out of time they made a really questionable call at the end that we're going to get to and they ended up having one shot and missing it fine but you would think a game where they lose saquon barkley who like you said is really, you could just tell, a leader in this locker room already. This, the way that the players speak of him, the way they speak so highly of him, even when they pan to the sideline and everybody had their heads down, they look so dejected. The fact that just their guy, Saquon Barkley, the guy works his butt off all day, every offseason, puts everything in for this franchise. It's just a role model on and off the field. And they knew. They knew his season was over. And yet, they rallied after that. They rallied after the Shep injury. And they played their best ball in the second half so I'm just curious what you saw in your
2: mind that led to let's start with the sloppy start why did the Giants go down 17 nothing in this game they just couldn't move the ball I mean it was pretty simple they couldn't establish the run they kept trying to establish the run and then early on in the affair Saquon Barkley ends up suffering an injury and it's like oh crap all we have is Dion Lewis and they had very limited success in that in that kind of game. I thought the Bears did a good job kind of trying to eliminate the quick passing game from the Giants. They probably studied their film, I'm sure, from week 1 and they did a good job kind of double teaming Evan Ingram in the uh on the short little button hooks that he's been running and just kind of trying to eliminate the flats. But at when they did that, I think the Giants did a good job adjusting and now I got to get to the all 22 to kind of confirm this, but the dig route was open a lot for the Giants in the middle of the field it, they did a lot a ton of slant flat combos as well the New York Giants and that ended up being really advantageous for the Giants in man coverage because every time that apex defender expanded with the flat the receiver running the flat the slant all he has to do is win inside leverage against the corner and Darius Slayton did that well throughout uh, most of the game too so I think the intermediate middle of the field was a place where the giants kind of started finding some success but it took them a while to get there. It was just a sloppy start. It looked like, you know, one of those road games where it just takes a little bit to kind of get going and it was very very uninspiring early on. Yeah. I mean, for me, the way I saw that first half when the bears went up 17
1: nothing was, you know, a combination of two things. One, I thought Jason Garrett had a terrible game plan in this game. I really did. I think all, for everything I got excited about from countering the Steelers, that quick passing game, it's almost like he came out with the exact same game plan in this game and was surprised to see the Bears had watched the film of the Steelers game and completely adjusted. And they took away, they sat on routes, there were multiple plays that were close to being interceptions that weren't, and then there were plays that were interceptions when they sat on routes. And then there was plays where Evan Ingram fell down and it led to an interception. And then there were, you know, sack fumbles where Jones has to hold the ball because The Bears are sitting on routes and they're playing the short, quick passing game. So you didn't see many shots down the field until the second half. You still didn't see too many down the field. This really has not been the downfield offense we thought it might be. And really, that to me is indicative of just where they think they're at with their offense line and what they want to do to kind of make Jones feel comfortable. That's fine. But, you know, it's similar stuff with Garrett that really worries me. It's the the second and long runs. It's the constant. And he adjusts. I get it. He adjusts out of that and that's fine but it just felt like a very dated game plan to me. It felt like it wasn't very creative based on what they saw the Lions find success with maybe a week before, or just ways to kind of do something different than what they showed. Fine, so that's one thing. But then on the other side of the ball, the Bears were just converting third downs at an incredible rate. They, they ended the game going 9 of 16 on third downs. That's incredibly hot too high of a percentage you're not going to win too many football games when you give up nine of 16 third downs and their percentage was even higher in the first half the Giants did a good job of adjusting in the second half but that combination there of the the Bears just draining clock with third downs conversions and then the Giants the other side of the ball really not doing much different than what they showed against the Steelers and the Bears just sitting on it. it 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 really made things difficult and it sucked because you saw the Giants finally it looked early Nick at least in my opinion, like they were finding success in their run game. Finally, those two runs of Barkley got through for a five and then he got through for the big run. And it looked like they were figuring out what to do there. But then once he got out of the game, the run game almost completely shut down with Deion Lewis in there. He just wasn't running the same way or they just didn't have confidence in it, whatever it may be. And it kind of felt like it screwed with Garrett's game plan and he kind of went into his default, which is
2: this quick passing game. It's a quick passing game, but even on that third and six. Uh, strip sack of daniel jones daniel jones hesitated there and it was because the chicago bears had their overhang defender who was more like kind of a safety he acted like he was going to go cover because the giants were using the entire field right they were they had receivers and plus splits off the numbers by about five yards so that means between the sidelines and the numbers on the field they were basically splitting that now that's basically using every width of the field right so On this one play, the third and six strip sack by Robert Quinn, it was like a replacement route with Sterling Shepard being, I want to say, the number three receiver. And he comes over the middle of the field. And right away, it looked like he was open. And Daniel Jones cocked back to fire the ball. But the safety from the other side of the field dropped down on that, expecting that. And he was going to drive down on Shepard and either. Force an inter- interception more than likely an incompletion and that forced Daniel Jones to kind of hesitate and then what I mean by replacement route is whoever the number two receiver was on that side and I need the film I'm not really 100% sure who it was it might have been Golden Tate he was kind of coming right behind Sterling Shepard and replacing his route so if it was zone coverage it would take away the defender in that one area would follow Sterling Shepard and then the replacement route would come right into that voided area now daniel jones kind of double cocks that ball holds on to it and then robert quinn gets around the edge and forces the uh, fumble on that play but that was a play where if jones didn't hesitate and if the chicago bears didn't have that specific game plan where it looked like the safety was going to drive down hard on that then it, that turnover would not have materialized it would not have happened so that's one play that could have possibly have been avoided that maybe it was drawn up the right way by jason garrett but again i kind of need the all 22 to really confirm that you can't really see what the one safety is doing on that play and speaking of safeties man we saw some we saw some sean chandler out there we saw some nate ebner out there i would love to see what the defense is doing on that back end and why these guys are seeing defensive snaps early on in the game so it's not even like they're spelling some of these guys unless there were injuries that weren't
1: reported yeah and that seems like last week when we saw covert out there early in the game we were like what and that was and he didn't play many snaps after that but he was out early it seems like the giants are kind of following what um at least the Chris Collins said the Patriots plan was for these first weeks, and it's nobody's in good shape, everyone's out of shape, no one has endurance, let's play a bunch of players deep into the game and at random times of the game so we can kind of make sure everybody's not gassed at the end of the game. And it's ironic because it feels like the people who have been gassed for the Giants at the end of the game have been their front seven because they've really just—at the both back end of both of these games, I mean— uh Benny Snell chewed them up for over 100 in the second half and in this game they gave up just key play after key play in the running game to Montgomery in the second half it's really what limited their possessions once their offense started to roll and hurt them in this game but you know the whole thing of being gasping not being gassed, I don't know if that's playing a factor there but it seems like something's got to give with this run defense because it's been so good to start the games and then as they move into the second half
2: it's kind of fading that fourth quarter was bad man they were just getting bullied up front even Dalvin Tomlinson BJ Hill and Leonard Williams they were getting pushed around a little bit and then what kind of ended the drive and I'm not sure if Dexter was out there during like the gashing but Dexter Lawrence made a couple big plays to kind of force that field goal attempt that ended up being a miss from Eddie Pinheiro but yeah no it was surprising to see the defensive line getting pushed around like that and it, it sucks too because it seems like these offenses have the defense kind of figured out in the sense that they love running to the C gap they love running outside they know the Giants kind of line up in these bare fronts these tight fronts so they just run outside of them and then put like I said on the last podcast Lorenzo Carter and Jabril Peppers and these smaller defenders into conflict into positions where they have to kind of step up and make big plays and I don't want to say play above their head because they're expected to make those plays. But when you eliminate the beef in the middle of the field by running away from it, it's going to take away that strength of that defense. And I would I hope Patrick Graham adjusts. I want to get to that all 22 to see if he really did. But in that fourth quarter, man, they were running the ball right down the Giants' throat. Well, that brings up a good point and a question for you, Nick, because the Giants, this
1: is nothing novel with these with these, you know, extended bare fronts, a team that uses a lot of bear fronts. The Giants aren't the first defense to do it. Patrick Graham did it a lot, I'm sure, with Miami last year, and the Patriots have done it a lot. So other teams have found a way to stop runs to the C-gap. What do the Giants need? Is it, a, is it a single player? Do they need kind of an, a defender to come down? It has to be assist somebody from that second or third level? Or is it more like you can adjust your scheme? How does it – because they're not the first team to probably run into
2: this issue. You, just, sure. need, you just need your continuity of your defense to hold okay. up. You need those edges to be really, really strong at the point of attack. I feel like Lorenzo Carter has done a solid job doing that. Kyler Fackrell maybe needs a little bit more work. And you also need that alley defender and the, li- the, and, and the linebackers to scrape yeah. over the top and – do well in pursuit and i feel like blake martinez does a good job at that Devonte downs i'm not 100 sure yet i'm going to reserve my judgment but i feel like jabril peppers did a great job last year in that role this not year so through this two year, games yeah. i have not necessarily seen that so you kind of just need the defense to really play as a whole because that's what the defense is you know it's a it's a chess game and when you load up you put a lot of your chess pieces in the middle of the board you're going to run to the outside to avoid the the, the best players on the team, which is the Giants' interior defensive line. You're not going to want to run in the a gap with Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence there. No. it's not going to probably work out for you.
1: No, and it's interesting you say
2: that because it's like I don't
1: foresee them. First of all, I don't foresee Kyler Fackrell as a great edge setter. So I don't. Yeah. And I'm and Lorenzo Carter has made some really good plays in that regard, but he's still you know not exactly you know it's not, it's not like having the old school four or three defense ends they had at the at the end of their defense. So I don't think the Giants want to change too much of that because I think they have reasons for having those guys on the field. Gives them more of an option when the team goes past there. But I think what, based on what you said, they're going to need better production from that safety. So I think they're going to need Peppers to play more like he did last season. And maybe you'd, I'd have to take more look, look at the all 22 this week again to kind of see if, like, you know, it has more to do with the fact of where they're lining Peppers up and he, what role he has on this new defense. Mm-hmm. But, and same with the second level, guys. Vontae Downs, I thought, was out of position on a few plays just from the broadcast angle today. One specifically that stood out in my mind, but they—it might be a situation where they need, if they're going to keep playing, you know, the fact rules and the Carter's the edge. They're going to need someone else at that second,
2: third level to to make these plays. And it's it's also kind of funny too because we spent the majority of the off season talking about, oh, is it a three-four or is it yeah. a four-three, and it's kind of been around the same man like it's that multiple defense on third downs and in passing situations where sometimes they won't even line up with a down lineman right and sometimes they'll line up with one maybe they'll line up with two and then on running downs they're kind of in that bear-esque front where to the field or to the strength he's in a four eye instead of a three technique so it's a little bit more expanded that's what it looked like on the broadcast film this time around but it seems like that's what they're rolling with and again you're a little bit susceptible to the outside in that and the bears tried to take advantage of that and then i feel like in the fourth quarter just because the defense was out there so long and i do feel like it's probably a little bit more of a product of that yeah just because the time of possession battle was so won by the bears Second that they straight week where that happened i know and that's that's going to be an issue you need to establish a run for that not to happen and the giants can't establish a run and now they just lost their star running back that's a freaking concern yeah, I mean, the, the the concerns on offense are obviously
1: not to be understated, there's no doubt about it, but I think as far as we, you know, look at this game, and just from this specific prism, the game, what we can kind of wrap up the 17 nothing start to, at least in my mind, is the Bears just ripping off their down conversions, controlling the entire clock, because the time possession actually started to flip back towards the Giants in the second half, and yet it still ended up being almost 10 minute difference in time possession for the Bears just to show you how much they dominate I mean the first drive of the game they ripped off almost eight minutes a game clock
2: yeah it's ridiculous and when it comes to the Bears how long did Mitch Trubisky have to throw the football on a lot of those third downs Giants would bring four sometimes they'd bring five and Mitch would and credit to Mitch and you're not going to hear me give a lot of credit to Mitch um, too often but he was able to extend the play maneuver the pocket well he did that really really well in this game but there were still times where he would have five seconds in the pocket and he would shift his feet and he'd run around a little bit and then he'd find Darnell Mooney open down the field or something stupid like that. That That's also an issue, man. You've got to be able to generate some sort of pass rush, especially if you're going to play man coverage. Yeah, you're 100% right, Nick. And it's interesting because I want to ask your opinion on this in a second because clearly the
1: Giants – Clearly, the Bears had a really nice game plan against this Giants defense, but then the Giants did an excellent job of adjusting because the Bears didn't score a single point after halftime. That can't be, you know, that can't be forgotten. And it's not like the Giants were draining clock in the second half with long offensive possessions, you know? He had a lot of chances, and the Giants' defense came up big. But you're right, in that first half, when they weren't getting pressure, like you said, he bought a million seconds, found Darnell Mooney for a touchdown. It could have been even worse. He threw a really nice ball to Anthony Miller that hit him right in the hands, and they dropped, and he just dropped it. That's another touchdown on the board. I actually thought Mitch played better than I remember from him like better than the last time I watched a full game of Mitch I watched his Detroit game and I kind of watched that on ge- on a uh, condensed version and it looked like he really struggled and then turned it on but this was like the first full game until the second half I'm saying at least where he looked like he knew what he wanted to do and he was throwing good ball and he had good ball placement which I didn't expect the ball always doesn't come out clean from from Mitch it comes out ugly a lot but it got there in a lot of spots
2: so it was interesting to see The Giants made plays in the second half. They were able to be opportunistic. James Bradbury played out of his mind, and I do feel like the Bears also were a bit more conservative. Mitch Trubisky kind of regressed because he was really hot in the first half. He threw the two interceptions in the second half. James Bradbury on the deflection, and then he had that ridiculous interception on the sidelines. Did a really good job on Al Robinson, who's one of the better receivers in the league. They were just able to kind of come up big plays in big moments. I'm not 100% sure what they were doing, with their safeties, when it comes to coverage, stuff that you can't really see. And again, like I said, I think the Bears were a little bit uh, just trying to put the game away. They had a 17-point lead; they felt comfortable with that. So, credit to the Giants' defense, kind of step up a little bit in that third quarter. But there's no doubt that those guys were gassed as hell by the time the fourth quarter came out. And I mean, I'm happy the Giants were able to make this into a game because it looked very bleak in the first half. It really did.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that is exactly how I saw it, Nick. To me. It was a combination of things. It was one, like you said, James Barry playing arguably the best game of any Giant on the field, maybe the best game of any player. If you think about the fact that Allen Robinson had three catches for 33 yards on nine targets, a guy who was driven to have a big game after his whole media scuff, not media scuff, but you know, what went on with him this week? You knew he wanted a big game. And one of those, the biggest play is, is, you know, what was the 17 yard catch was a diving, ridiculous catch that Robinson made that was at no fault of anyone in the Giants' secondary, just an unreal catch that only he makes. But aside from that, Bradbury makes the awesome tip where he's right in coverage and then it tips right into Julian Love's hand and then on the 50-50 ball against arguably the best 50-50 ball receiver in the league maybe not the best but top five Allen Robinson he rips it out and he turns it into an interception so I think it was two huge plays limiting Robinson who was a big player and then I think like you said it was a combination of the Bears getting conservative and also the Giants getting a little lucky from that long stretch with David Montgomery out because the Bears just weren't running the ball as well with Cohen and with Patterson, who took a couple carries that looked like he had no clue what he was doing in my mind. One where he bounced to the edge where I didn't think he should. And you obviously saw once Montgomery came back in the game, that running game kind of started to pick up. He's obviously a better between tackle. So a little bit of luck there in that sense. But, you know, two really great plays by Bradbury that could change games. You know, those are game-changing plays that almost ended up being really the difference in this game because it gave them a chance to finally score in that last drive obviously they benefited from a miskick as well but that's going to happen in the game the Giants missed a field goal as well earlier right before halftime so I think it was a combination of those things but it was really interesting to see no matter how you cut it, they did shut out the Bears in the
2: second half. That's got to be a positive sign for the defense. Definitely. <laughs> when You look at it at the flip side, it's like, yeah, you shut down a mixed Traminsky-led yeah, right. offense. Like, good for you. But no, they they made the necessary adjustments to do something. Again, we were already said it, but I believe the Bears were also culprit in that. They definitely should have probably stuck to a similar game plan. They definitely got comfortable, tried to wind that clock down. Didn't work for them. Credit to the Giants. But you know what? At the end of the day, they got the loss and that sucks and then even worse they lost Saquon Barkley yeah yeah I mean the
1: injuries are obviously a a massive factor in this one but like you said definitely some bright spots um with James Bradbury with I mean we saw some reps I knew you pointed one out to me with Dalton Tomlinson where he just fires into and just explodes through the offensive lineman throws him back into the quarterback I thought Leonard Williams had a couple really good reps as well I didn't see as much of Blake Martinez as I as I liked in the first one I'll, I'll be excited to see if he has as good a game on tape but I thought there were a lot of positives still to take away from this game in the second half and I think there's one uh, one before before we kind of wrap that up i want to go over one missed opportunity for the giants it's when they got in the red zone down 17 10 and when they settled for the field goal kind of went with three straight incompletions and just decided you know it's time to settle for a field goal which is fine it's fourth and 10 i get it but i thought that was a big bit of a missed opportunity down there whether it be the play calling the execution whatever it may be it it was a
2: time where I, i i remember when they settled for that field goal. i was like this could come back to haunt them That was after a 10-play drive, and that was another part that kind of goes to why the Giants' defense was playing better, I guess, was because the Giants' offense in the second half had a 13-play drive, an 11-play drive, and a 10-play drive. And you definitely want to punch it in there, for sure. If you look at it holistically, the Giants still had a very good opportunity to win this game with that field goal being kicked. They just couldn't execute at the end. And again, we can get into another thing that really grinded both of our gears, and that was that— that play call down and with what eight seconds left to go so, in the game so
1: i don't know who's in charge of that play call there's been some questions there's been things i've questioned throughout the first two games i don't i've been i've been surprised with judges lack of aggression on a lot of calls the punt today from around i believe it was their own was it their own 45 at the time that one was surprising to me obviously last week's fourth and one punt from the from the Steelers 40 to me was just as desa- i would just never make that call ever um and then, you know, the field goal inside the red zone last week, he's been a little less aggro than I thought. And I don't know if he's in charge of this or if Garrett made the call, but for me, if you get that completion on the fourth and one, you spike that ball, you have eight seconds left,
2: you need to take two passes need to be thrown, and they need to land in the end zone. That's a head coaching call. Just being, like, on a football yeah. staff, that there's no doubt that that comes down from the head coach, sure. and then it's the coordinator's job to find a play to maximize what the head coach says. Yeah, he wants to get the ball, yeah.
1: and he wants to get it at bounds, and he wants to get closer. Fine. You know, some people said it puts them in running distance for Jones. I don't think Jones is gonna run that in from ten yards. I think his safety will collapse. His touchdown against the Bucks last year when he saw Man and he ran, that was only four or five yards out. Um I don't think you can make it from ten. So, you know, that's one thing, but I think you gotta throw the two balls into the end zone there, and I think you really
2: it, you made a big mistake if you didn't. Oh a hundred percent. You gain no leverage doing that. You gain what, four yards on a little dump off clear out to Dion Lewis? That's just it doesn't make any sense. What is that four yards gonna do for you? I don't know. It does absolutely nothing. I mean, like you could you have, you have said, two shots
1: people, at the end zone, right? Give two fifty-fifty balls. I don't know. I, I mean, they should have something for the situation. Obviously, it's it's, but that that to me definitely stood out as kind of a negative in this game. You know, it, it 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 kind of built overall for me, Nick, on a game I really was not happy with Jason Garrett, and this was a bad. Like you said, I'm okay. You know, I get nightmares when I see so much slant flats because I think back to the Ben McAdolphins, but it's okay. Right now, this Giants offense needs to use a lot of slant flats as 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 Jones still familiarizes himself with all the terminology and everything that goes into a, learning a new offense without an offseason. So I'm okay with a little bread-and-butter slant flats offense. That's fine. But... These type of decisions and some of the conservative calls by Garrett and some of the runs on obvious rundowns and runs from tight personnel, those are the type of things that make me a little more weary and kind of him coming out with a very similar game plan to last week. These are the type of things that start to build and you start to think, all right,
2: I don't know. But, but even on that, that field goal drive that we were referring to, that was a third and ten where Jones, the ball might have been a little bit behind Damian Ratley, but it seemed like it hit, hit him yeah. in the chest. It seemed like it. The coverage was somewhat tight. It was a quick curl and with Ratley running the dig behind, something that the Giants had a lot of success with, mm-hmm. with that deep dig. And it was like three yards past the first down marker, but Ratley couldn't haul it in. And if that's Sterling Shepard, does he make that catch? You know, yeah, So it was it's a, play, a, great point. It's a play design that might have worked, but just obviously didn't happen with uh damian ratley and jones throws a great
1: deep dig by the way i think that's a mm. good ball that's a good spot that's a bread and butter throw for him
2: and you also you need touch there you need to like tr- yep. you need trust there as well because oh, yeah. you have underneath defenders who could oh, knock yeah. that down you really athletic linebackers who could undercut that you really need to have your timing squared away with your receiver because you have a safety driving down on a lot of those too so yeah yeah i think that deep dig is definitely something that he showed a lot in this game especially in the second half that he and jason garrett's offense there was a lot of uh it really meshed well, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. All right, Nick, any overall takeaways from you or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up this quick reaction pod?
2: Not much on the game, just waiting for the all 22, but I really just hope Joe Judge and the New York Giants can write this ship. I know you and I talked about this before the podcast. The Giants are 12 and 38 in the last 50 games.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, the Giants have won just one more game in their last 50 games than they had that entire 2016 season when they won 11 games that's 12 games in the last three three years and two games so something's up here something needs to change obviously who knows what that will be who knows when the time will come but you know the product isn't is improving from that sense and that's okay but i'm not going to end it on a negative nick because i actually felt a little positive positive. and for me i am one of those people who is completely drained by injuries i hate the injuries so much it's mentally draining for me i always feel like ah but I will end it on a couple positive notes. First of all, Giants look like they found a player in Andrew Thomas. Let's just say that. Now, it's two games for him against two pretty difficult matchups, and he's held up pretty well. He's had a couple reps where he's beat. He's going to have a couple reps where he's beat, but he's held up pretty well, I thought. And, you know, another guy who played better, uh, another couple guys who played better today, Kevin Zeitler, Will Hernandez. You know, they're obviously not perfect, but at the same time, it wasn't... I felt like the offensive line took some strides this week in some regards. I'm we'll obviously have to wait for the All-22 to know. And the other thing we can't let go and we need to give some credit for, the Giants, with four minutes and 30 seconds left in the third quarter, down 17-3, could have easily folded. They were backed up all the way to their own five-yard line. And instead, they ran an 11-play, 95-yard touchdown drive. That shows guts. That shows just a lot of moxie on Daniel Jones' part. On a third and three, where he's basically getting sacked and pulled to the ground he makes a really athletic play to flip the ball out to Deion Lewis and keep that drive going. The game's over if they don't convert there from their own 12. It's over. If you're 73 and you're punting from your own 12 with with two minutes left in the third, That, that that's the, all the deflation you need. But Jones converted that play and then never again on that drive faced another third down. Moved the ball really well, essentially just passing the football and scrambling once for 12 yards. We did a really good job to get the first down. But he really started getting that groove, that drive, and he showed Moxie, and he showed the ability to fight through a really difficult situation losing Barkley losing Shepard down two scores when you're in obvious pass mode and so I really
2: thought there were some positives taking away the injuries from what the Giants showed in the second half not to mention they also the defense that is came up with an interception the next drive there 17-10 James Bradbury comes up with that big play and I mean as Giants fans I was thinking at least I was like wow dude Uh, this is really a game right here the Giants are making this a game so that resilience is something that you want to see from a young team who just lost their leader with a rookie head coach
1: yeah you're 100% right so for me again we'll have to see where this goes moving forward I don't think it's same old Giants yet I think this team has made some strides we'll have to see I mean next week The Giants are going to be playing the San Francisco team, likely without Jimmy Garoppolo, potentially without George Kittle. Now Nick Bosa on just an awful day of injuries. I mean, for all teams, Niners were hit the hardest, I think. Bosa's likely a torn ACL. It's a potentially winnable game. I don't want to say it's a winnable game yet at this point. I don't want to declare anything as an easy win for the Giants. Nothing in that regard, but I think they're moving. I I, I don't know. I just feel like I liked what I saw in that second half from this team. If you put the injuries aside, all the doom and gloom from what happened there, There's some things you got to like that they built on, and I thought Daniel Jones specifically had a much, after a really, really questionable first half, had a much, much better second half, especially all starting with that
2: 95-yard drive, really. You just need to find a way to establish the run. And, like, I hate to be a realist here. Without Saquon, it's going to be more difficult, but this offensive line and Jason Garrett and Mark Columba, they need to find a way to establish the run because I think that's going to help the defense significantly it would help Daniel Jones significantly it'll make that offense you know two-dimensional something (laughs) that I feel like Giants those Giants fans we have not seen in some time now and if they can do something on the ground with Wayne Gallman and with this offensive line and maybe it's been opponents you can say whatever you want if they can do that this team can be a lot better than what we've seen over the last two seasons
1: yeah and we'll have to see where they go in that direction there's still so much more football to be played there's still another 14 games for the giants they're going to get better on offense i think just from the simple fact that they're going to have more reps in a new system and we'll have to see but again we're going to wrap it up now. Quick reaction pod. As usual, expect the All-22 to come out. Hopefully, NFL Game Pass doesn't drop it Thursday again. That was a bit of a disaster for, for the everybody involved in this business. But um, thanks again for tuning in. As usual, please find us on Instagram at nybigbluebanter. You know where to find us by now on Twitter. Otherwise, have a great rest of your night or morning or whenever you're listening to this bad boy, and we'll speak to you soon.
2: The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium, it's all you hear about.